This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Welcome to BPN Radio. We're so happy to have you today. We're, I'm so excited to have my sister. We're going to be telling redemptive stories, and we're going to be telling in particular our story today, some of our story, how we got saved. You know, I had an opportunity, Cindy, to go to Nashville with Ray and tell a little bit about mine and Ray's story. And it was so amazing. To I felt that the presence of God came in that room right. so powerfully. Right. There's something about your story. Yeah. There's something about the thread, the redemptive red thread through your story. And so today we're going to talk about, as we're prophesying, we're going to talk about our story. So sister, let's get started. Um, I'd like to really tell them, let's start with coming to Baytown and how that happened. And, and I really want, I just want to say this, we're, you know, I'm a little bit crazy. I'm good crazy. And our family's a little (laughs) crazy. And so when you find out that my mother and daddy met, in an insane asylum, then it all becomes clear <laughs> why I'm a little crazy. But um, I want us to start by telling the the folks out there how how we ended up in Baytown and kind of what that looks like. So you you, you get us started, sister. Well, um, we were in Houston at the time, yes, and we were uh, living in this garage apartment. My mother had. Uh, and dad had split up a couple of times. I think this was the third time that they were divorced. Right. And she was with some guy. And uh, I, I vaguely remember the man, but we were living in this garage apartment. And then they decided they were going to split up. And she called my dad yeah. or our dad. Yeah. And in the process of calling him, he shows up uh-huh. with some guy that's drunk. And I can't remember, was it a Falcon car? It was a, it was a blue Falcon. A blue Falcon. And we throw all of our stuff in trash bags and we hop in the car with dad and this drunk man and we drive to Baytown. And, um, I remember going over that bridge and coming into Baytown and it was like, okay, it it felt like home again because dad was in the picture. Right. Right. And he hadn't been for a while. So we come to Baytown and once we get to Baytown, we get, we come to this, um, hotel yep. right here in Baytown. still have it. It's just an old building, abandoned building. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And we stayed there for several days and I remember us eating, um, pork, and, pork beans. and beans and crackers, pork and beans right out of the can. And at the time it felt like we were eating steak, even though I didn't even know what steak was, but it was really good. Right. Cause we were hungry. We were hungry and we were thankful to have something to eat and we were thankful to have mom and dad back together again. Right. Right. Um, I, I, that's when we came into Baytown was when I could start remembering mm-hmm. what was going on in our right. life. Prior to that, I have just glimpses of memories, you know, but, Me too. Uh, and I think part of that is because we, we, we blocked a lot of it out because it was traumatic. I mean, we had right. our parents, um, let me go back and, and kind of give a little history of our parents. My mother, both of our parents from Texas, uh, long, long-term Texas families, both of them. Mother came from uh, 
um, sort of a, a wealthy um, East Texas family. And I think her grandparents were very godly Christian people. Her parents were not so much. They, uh, they'd kind of strayed and were just really um, what I would call functioning alcoholics, just into, you know, um, money and, and, and not really into their children and into alcohol and a lot of things that were not so good. So my mother was a byproduct of that. And uh, she finds her, so she's at the University of Texas, and this is a very bright girl. And right after graduation, she wrecked her car, her sports car, and her mother, as punishment, sent her to Rust State Hospital. Back then, my mother would be 80 years old now. So back then, they didn't have rehabs, okay? But mother was not an alcoholic at this point. She was a young girl that made a mistake. And so her mother, being the kind of mother she was, just wanted to get rid of her, sent her off to Rust State Hospital to the alcoholics ward. Um, mother so Just trying to teach her a lesson. Trying to teach her a lesson, to, but really... To wake her up. But you know? it was not a good place right. to stay. It, it was way too extreme. Right. But, right. but nevertheless, God's providence worked in it. Mother mm-hmm. gets there and she told us, she said, I would have probably had a nervous breakdown and lost my mind. But she met my father there. Now, my father had was quite a bit older than my mother. He was 16 years older. He had come back from World War II with a drinking problem after the war. And, you know, he had had a cycle of, of alcoholism. You know, he'd do really well, and then he'd get drunk and disappear. And he right. was what, he's what we call a... Um, periodic pe- alcoholic. Yeah, periodic alcoholic. And uh, so his family had committed him. So they met at a dance. And mother said, daddy was the life of the party, super fun, super outgoing. Mother just fell in love with him. And they run off when they get out of the, out of the hospital, they run off and get married. And thus starts our family. Now, my daddy had two daughters by his first wife. And then he had Cindy and I by my mother. And so when they get out, of course, not long after that, mother's pregnant with me. And then not long after that, she's pregnant with Cindy. And we start from the time we're born till the time we're about seven and eight years old when we land in Baytown. It is a cycle, almost a 10-year cycle of just on and off, drinking, not you know, working jobs, quitting. Running from place running to place. Running from place to place. I actually think mother called daddy to come get us because mm-hmm. it was a bad situation where she was living. But I think the CPS at that point, it wasn't called the CPS. They were looking for us. They were looking for us. So we end up in Baytown and we end up, uh, daddy's working and, uh, you know, on and off, but so that he'd work and then they'd drink. And we end up renting this house from a little Pentecostal woman. Um, I did not realize that was our redemption house. It was that house on East Republic on East Republic that was going to change the whole trajectory of our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in it about three months. And of course the cycle begins again, mother and daddy are drunk. The rent hasn't been paid. And so the little Pentecostal lady comes to collect rent or tell my mother and father that we have to leave. They're going to evict us. Mm -hmm. When my mother opens the door, the little lady, and, and she was very quiet, unassuming, godly lady. She sees Cindy and I in the background mm-hmm. playing with some toys. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, my hand is on the girls. Do not evict them. 
and God touched her heart. So she told my mother, she said, look, I'm going to give you some time to get us the rent, but I want to ask you a favor. Can I take your girls to Sunday school? And of course, my mother, owing the woman rent, felt like she had to say yes. Uh, Mother was raised Baptist. Mother had a relationship with God. She just had personal demons that she never conquered. Mm -hmm. And so she would just, you know, she had problems. So she started picking us up for church. And she started coming every Sunday morning and dressing us and getting us ready. and Brushing our teeth. Brushing our teeth, (laughs) dresses, coming into the worst part of town in a home that's not kept because a daddy's gone and a mother's drunk. And then, Cindy, I want you to tell the story from here. Well, she'd come in and she would get us ready. She'd literally comb our hair, brush our teeth, get us ready for church and take us to Sunday school. And um, I remember thinking... um, something was very special about this lady and her daughter. Her daughter was a beautiful girl and we got in that car and she took us to Peace Tabernacle. It was uh, on uh, North Main and a little Pentecostal church. And um, it was there that I first heard about Jesus. It was there. I saw a Bible for the first time and and it was there that I heard a little song and Callie and I always loved to sing as little girls. And, and it was Jesus loves me this. I know for the Bible tells me so. I went home after Sunday school that first Sunday and I recorded myself singing it in a little tape recorder and I'd sing it over and over again. And I, and I'd heard this story of Jesus, like, you know, he hears your prayers and he loves you and he cares about you. And, and I thought, you know, I I believe that, you know, that I think that's why the Lord says he wants us to come as little children because our faith is just so pure. And, and so I just began to pray and I said, Lord, help my mom and dad to quit drinking. I knew that our life wasn't normal. It wasn't like everybody else's. And I wanted a home that was uh, safe and secure. And sure. I didn't really even understand all what I wanted, but I knew that what we had wasn't was right. Not right. And um, it wasn't, but just a couple of weeks after I began to pray that prayer for my mom and dad till a man by the name of Red Sheets. It was a, a family friend of my dad's from years ago. I don't even know how he found us, sister, but he came to our house, knocked on the door. My mother is sitting on the couch mid-July in an overcoat. She's shaking, and it's so hot outside that she's trying to detox and get off alcohol. And so she's she's having these uh, these shakes, and he comes in, sits down on the couch by mom and dad, and begins to talk to them about Alcoholics Anonymous and said, "You need, you guys need to get your lives together and stop drinking. And if for no other reason, do it for your girls. Right. And he begins to look at us and say, come tonight. I, I want to take you to an AA meeting. Right. And so we did. We all got dressed and went to an AA meeting that night. And it was the most amazing thing ever. We walked into this little small room with all these people smoking and and I just remember uh red bought us a coke from the coke machine and I felt like somebody had given me a million dollars just buying us a coke and little did we know that that really was the start of redemption for our family because that night mom and dad took their first chip to make a decision to not drink anymore and uh one of the first steps in Alcoholics Anonymous is to give your life to a higher power. Sure. Well, mom and dad, because they were raised Christian, gave their life back to God and surrendered back to the Lord. And then not long after that, we all started going to a little Baptist church together and mom went and bought groceries and we sat down and had breakfast and dinner together. And she was cooking again and dad was working and she got a job and it was like, wow, this is what a family's supposed to be like. Yeah. And Cindy and I can look back and I remember thinking we're rich. Yeah. 
We're rich because yeah. we had, the thing about my parents is when they were sober, they were the nicest, most wonderful people in the world. Right. And good parents, but drunk, it was a hopeless story. Yeah. 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 So we end up, dad and mom get sober and we start our new life. Now you have to understand, Cindy and I are at this point very young, but the, the whole formative years of our life have been a mess. Right. So now we've got a mom and dad that are working. We've got a home. We've got a car. We've got clothes on our back. We've got food. Mother's taking us to the Baptist church and life just gets better. I just want to talk really, I want to take a, a, a moment here and I want to pray for anyone that's on this broadcast that is believing for a redemption story for your family. Right. I just want to pray, Lord, we just thank you for everyone that's logged on here that maybe has, maybe they're suffering with alcoholism or they have someone in their family that's not saved or that's not committed to Christ. And we just declare in Jesus name that everyone that's on this broadcast that has lost family members, that they're going to begin to see revival in in their family. And God, you were sending forth angels, God, to, to minister to these families, God, and you're sending another Pentecostal woman that's willing to give her life and take somebody to Sunday school and you're sending another red sheets that's willing to take someone to an yes, AA meeting yes. and you're sending somebody that's willing to take someone to a, to a celebrate recovery at a yes, church yes. and you're sending uh, men and women into the highways and byways to rescue people out of darkness. And God, we just declare that people are rescued out of darkness today. And we just stand in faith, God, that as we tell these redemption stories, that people, the people that are listening and and even when they re-air this broadcast, that they will feel faith rise up in their heart to receive faith, to see people saved and delivered and set free. Pastor Cindy, I'd like for you to go on and prophesy over your first uh, six names. I will do that. And we're going we're gonna to prophesy through this whole program. I want to share a quick story before I do that. Okay. Isaiah 61 talks about that the Lord wants to give you beauty for ashes. And that's exactly what he's done with our story. Yes. He's given us beauty for ashes. And when I think of that scripture for years, I always thought of like, I'm going to give God the ashes and he's going to just do away with those ashes. And then he's going to give me his beauty. When in actuality, God wants to take the ashes and he wants to color your life with them, that his glory can be displayed. And there is a a story that is so powerful about how they begin to try to clean the Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo had painted. And and it was a three-dimensional painting and they went in there to clean it and they took the cleaning process too far because they thought the smut on the outside of the painting was from the candles that had burned over the years. And they ended up taking that smut off and it began to show all the colors and it went from being three-dimensional to two-dimensional. Well, what had happened was Michelangelo, when he was painting, said, bring me ashes. I want to take this picture from a two-dimensional to a third-dimensional painting. So I want you to bring me ashes and I'm going to mix it with oil and then I'm going to make a paint out of this and I'm going to cover this painting and it's going to take it to a whole nother level of beauty. And so that's what God wants to do with you and I. He wants to take the ashes of our life that yes. the enemy has tried to destroy us yes. with and mix it with the oil of his gladness and his goodness yes. and paint over our life yes. that his glory can be displayed. Yes. And that's what he's doing with you today. Yes. Every part of your life, you surrender to him yes. and allow him and his spirit to paint you. Uh, there, the first word I have today is for Lauren uh, Vancouver, Washington. 
Psalm 85 and 6, this is a passion translation. It says, revive us again, O God. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. I see him blowing on your dreams and your destiny. And I see him healing you and healing your family, not only physically, but emotionally. And there is going to be a story told from your family that's going to go around the world of God's goodness and faithfulness to you. Yes. Also, Patty from Portland, Oregon. I see you weeping for someone who's in trouble. But I heard the Lord say this morning, Patty, that breakthrough is coming for Woo! you and the and who you're weeping for. Psalm yes. 86 and yes. 1. I see the Lord bending yes. down to listen to your prayer. He is bending down to you today and to your prayers, and he hears them, and you're going to see breakthrough, Patty. Judy, Bridge City, Texas. I see you have a huge heart for the hurting and the broken. Psalm 40, 41 and 1 says, God always blesses those who are kind to the poor and helpless. Yes. They're the first one God helps. Woo! Judy, God is helping you. He's coming to your, to your uh, need today. And he's blessing yes. you because you bless those. You have a heart for those that nobody else has a heart for. And I see God hearing your prayers and turning things around for you and your family. Uh, Chelsea in Georgia. God is healing something in your body today, Chelsea. And at the same time, he's healing your heart yes. from a spirit of rejection. God's taking the pain and the rejection that you've been through, and he's turning it around for his glory. Also, Julie in uh, California, stop letting fear lead you. I saw a spirit of fear trying to torment you, Julie. Stop letting the fear lead you. I hear the Lord saying, now's the time. There's something that God has put in your heart to do. Now is the time. Do it. I saw a big check like, what is it called? The, the, uh, Nike yes. emblem, like just do it. Now's the time. Do yes. it. So quit delaying. Psalm 41, four, Lord, be my kind healer. Heal my body and son. Heal me. God, God is working a great, uh, blessing in your family. And it's time for you to step up and do what God's called you to do. Uh, Melanie from Illinois, you carry healing in your hands. I see the Lord saying, start praying for the sick and keep praying until you see, see breakthrough. Okay. There's a story about, um, I can't think of the guy's name, long braids who pray for over a hundred people, Todd, Todd white, a hundred people before he saw breakthrough in healing. So I see healing in your hands and yes. you go to keep praying and keep praying until you see miracle signs and wonders. There was also a niece of yours, Riley, start with her. God is going to heal her from cancer. Begin to lay your hands on her and pray for a miracle for Riley. So right now in yes, the name Lord. of Jesus, we speak yes. healing over yes. Riley, yes. rise up Riley and be yes. healed of the Lord. I thank you, father God, that you yes. are dispelling cancer yes. from her body yes. and Riley hear the word of the Lord and be healed healed in Jesus name today. We thank you for it, father. We thank yes, you for it. Lord. Why not Riley? God, why not heal Riley? Yes. Marissa from Florida. You are a mighty warrior in the kingdom. Yes. Awake to who you've been called to be. Marissa, I saw you getting up in the morning and when you put your feet on the ground, the devil is scared of you. He's afraid <laughs> of the authority that you carry. Yes. Wake up and declare who you are in the kingdom and then begin to speak what God says. Psalm 107, go and read that two through three. That's your scripture. God bless you.
Okay, I got a couple that I'm going to prophesy. Courtney from Cleveland, Texas. The power of God is being released to your family and the situation that you have found yourself in in the last six months that has been tormenting. God is releasing his power. He's releasing this whole situation. I saw the chains falling off, just like the chains fell off of of Paul and Silas when they were in jail. They were bound and they had come under the influence of the enemy. The Lord is releasing his power to live you. Kelly Lewis from Orlando, Florida. I see freedom being sent to the situation that has been tormenting your mind. Freedom, freedom, clarity, and vision being sent to you and your loved one. No weapon formed against you, Kelly, will prosper and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Velma, um, Edinburgh, Texas. Peace be still. Peace be be still. The Lord is on your oh, boat. You, he's on your boat. And he is, he's, he's, he's now, you, you felt like he was asleep yeah. and that he was not, he didn't realize what was going on. But let me just say, he's on your boat and the, and the storm is going to be still and God is going to work in, on your behalf. Patricia, Somerville, uh, South Carolina. There is a new day and a new season upon you. And do not be fearful of the new day and the new season and the new adventure. God has got you. He's got your family and he is orchestrating all of this. Uh, Ashton, Peoria, Arizona. Watch for the miraculous. Watch for the miraculous. And I see you wringing your hand saying, there's no way this can be fixed. And I heard the Lord say, watch for the miraculous. It can't be fixed in your own power, but it can, it it can be fixed by the supernatural power of God. Watch for the miraculous. Nina in Oregon, uh, order. God is bringing order to every area of your life. Order. I see God taking puzzle pieces that are all scattered and they're not even in on one desk and they're like scattered all over the room. And all of a sudden, shh, All the puzzle pieces are together and God starts bringing order to your life. Just begin to declare that my life is ordered of God and I will walk in divine order and divine blessing. Let me see here. One more. Laura from Fairfield, um, Washington. Joy. God is dispensing joy and he is returning what the thief has given you. And the thief has given you, has literally robbed you and given you despair. Yeah. And God is dispensing joy Hallelujah. over your life. He is singing over your life. You, and there is great, great blessing, favor, and, and repair for the despair. Okay. So let's continue with our stories, Pastor Cindy. Okay. Um, so we get, we get, we completely turn our lives around. Mom and dad get sober, no more drinking, no more, no more drunk. Uh, we're going to church and we go back to the little Baptist church. My mother was raised Baptist. My daddy was kind of raised Baptist. I think his mother was a devout church of Christ and his daddy was a Baptist on Easter and Christmas. I think that's kind of how that worked. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, we grow up in this town. We've been here in Baytown our whole lives since we were little girls. We grow up in this town and all of a sudden, um, there's a Pentecostal revival. Yeah. And we're teenagers. And we're teenagers. And this young man from down the street, they're doing an outreach. Now, this is a crazy outreach. I laugh when I think about this outreach because they're trying to get people to come to church by bringing them dog food. Yeah. And I've heard, heard of a lot of outreaches, but this was a dog food outreach. 
So they, he comes to the he comes to my door and he says, "I'm such and such. I live down the street. We're having revival. We're inviting people out. We brought you some dog food." And I'm like, "Oh, my lucky day! I got dog food." So, um, so he begins to talk to me about revival, and and I'm I'm not interested in revival. I'm You're not interested in guys. I'm interested. I'm a young teenage girl that's interested in having fun and good looking boys. You know. So I asked him, I said, hey, you got any good looking boys there? He said, yeah, we do. I said, all right, I'm coming. I'm coming. So I did not realize that Cindy had, my mother had already been filled with the Holy Ghost through a charismatic renewal. Now she didn't really go to a Pentecostal or a Holy Ghost church. No, she got, she got filled watching a TV program by um, Pat. Yeah, but she started some little some little Bible, Bible study, study that yeah. was like a uh, like during the seventies when people uh, mm-hmm. late seventies when the renewal was going on. Right. So Cindy started praying. Cindy would go with mother sometimes to some of these spirit filled churches. So she started praying that I get we get the Holy that Ghost. we would get the Holy Ghost. But she said in particular, God give it to Callie first, or she'll torment me, or she'll torment me. Of course, I was demon possessed prior to getting saved, so that would have probably been true. And so anyway. For whatever reason, and you actually walked into my bedroom one night while I was praying and said, "Don't let those Pentecostal people get to you. What's wrong with you? Why are you in here praying?" Yeah, I was really messed up. Yeah, you needed deliverance. I needed safe. So anyway, <laughs> I didn't want my sister to get messed up with those Pentecostals. She I thought was, they were crazy. But, but when they said there was good-looking men, I figured, well, it's, it's it's worth one night. You know, I can have one night of that. No, them preaching me into hell. <laughs> So Cindy couldn't go for whatever reason that I was supposed to go to church with mom and we were planning on going to Maranatha. Yeah. Y'all were going to another church Mm -hmm. when I was going to go to this Pentecost church. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I went to this UPC church, showed up and the guy, the revival, the guy was preaching revival, man. Mm -hmm. He was preaching, he was preaching hell hot. And I, with every breath I knew I was, I could feel the flames up around my head. You were hanging over hell. I was literally, it was so hot. My feet were sizzling. (laughs) I knew I was going to hell with a one-way ticket i was in first class headed there fast and i began to feel convicted you know Mm -hmm. i'd come there to meet to meet guys and and i didn't even care about jesus and i'm like i'm realizing i'm going to hell so all of a sudden i find myself at the altar and i repent and i get filled with the holy ghost and I call home that night and tell Cindy I'm not coming home. Mom and dad, I asked him if I could spend the night with my friends that brought me. It was a lady and her husband and a bunch of people that I knew, you know. And I said, can I spend the night with them? They were like, kind of like youth leaders, you know. They always help youth get saved and everything. So they say, why don't you come spend the night with us? So Cindy knew something had happened for me to ask to come spend the night. So I got on the phone. Yeah, what did you say? I said, did you meet some guy or something? I, you're just, this is weird. Like you're wanting to hang out with the Pentecostal people that you've been trying to get me to stay away from, but yet you want to stay the night. You've met a guy. And she goes, no, no, Cindy, I haven't met a guy. I love you, Cindy. And she starts telling me how much she loves me. I'm like, my sister's never told me she's loved me. Yeah, I, was, like, I, was, I loved her, but I was just mean. Something's weird here. And, I, and I, she just starts telling me how she got the Holy Ghost and how her life is different. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. I want the Holy Ghost. I can't believe this. This is really happening. <laughs> so the next night they take me to an apartment where these people live. Young, a bunch of young people A bunch come. of young people come and I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and get baptized about two or three o'clock in the morning. And that began our journey in the Pentecostal church. Now my dad 
when Callie got the Holy Ghost, says, "Oh, that uh, that won't last a week." I give her a week. She said, "Cindy will stay saved. She'll stay. Callie won't Callie stay saved, won't a, stay week. saved a week. She she's too sure. she's too mean and too wild. She will not <laughs> stay saved a week." Well, we proved him wrong. Yeah, you did. Uh, so anyway, we got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and life just became. Uh, you know, I can't even tell you how God changed our life. It's every prayer. You know, when my mother got filled with the Holy Ghost, she began to pray. I don't even think she realized the the power of this of prayer. prayer. But she began to pray that God would save her children to the uttermost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that God would direct my and Cindy's life. And, you know, my, my dad didn't serve God like he was supposed to. Actually, he truly surrendered his life about two weeks before he died. But... um uh, watching a Billy Graham crusade and mother led him in the sinner's prayer. And my mother led him in the sinner's prayer, but, um, dad never did anything but support us. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I give him so much credit. Once we got into church, they supported everything we wanted to do. And, uh, for that, I am so thankful, but we just watched God move in our lives. And we, we suddenly now we're in high school and we're carrying our big Bibles and, <laughs> We're like a. I've turned into a. We're big, both evangelists. I went from the wild party girl to the evangelist <laughs> Callie. Evangelist Callie ship. And uh, we just began to, uh, you know, love people and preach the gospel. Right. And um, there's just so many stories of redemptive stories that have happened in our lives uh, through the years that have been supernatural. And and I want you to know it doesn't matter where you come from. Right. Or how bad your problem is or how bad your or how off how desperate your family is or how poor you are or how addicted you are. Right. God has a song to sing over you and it's yes, a redemptive it song. Yes. And it's a song of favor and it's a song of victory. And it's he wants to literally not only heal and deliver you, but he wants to change the whole legacy of your family. Right. And when right. I think about Cindy and I got saved. At that Pentecostal church, that was just one little piece of the whole, God was going to change our whole life. Right. Our children were going to serve God. They were going to do great exploits. Right. All kinds of things were going to happen because we made a decision and God orchestrated a miracle for us to be saved. He saved our parents from alcoholism. People don't sober up at 40. It just doesn't happen outside of the miracle yeah. of God. Yeah. And so he saved our parents and delivered them and then began to set us on a trajectory of ministry and serving God. And there's a lot of years in between it. Cindy, you want to tell another story? Well, I, you know, when we got saved in the Pentecostal church, we began to pray for our dad and our mom. And, and we wanted our dad to come to church with us so bad, you know, cause we felt like he was going to get saved just like we got saved in the Pentecostal He needed church. to get saved. And so we begged him and begged him and begged him and begged him to come. And he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. I'm glad you girls are going. It's working for you. It's keeping you out of trouble, but I'm not going. And yeah, so I'm not, I'm finally, not no Pentecostal. No, I'm not a Pentecostal. So finally one Sunday night, he comes just to make us happy because we've just wore him down about coming to church. Yeah, we're telling Daddy, you, you've got to come. You're going to hell. You're Please going to hell, come. Dad. You've got to get the Holy Ghost. So <laughs> we get in there, and he's mad. He's a little man. He's tall, but he's skinny. He wears a cowboy hat, uh, jeans, boots, you know, 
dips to uh, chews tobacco. He's just a good old country boy with his black framed glasses. And he's sitting there and he's mad. He doesn't want to be there. His arms folded. We're all standing up and we're praising God. It's Sunday night. We're going to shout the house down. I have no earthly idea why we invited him to a Sunday night. That was ludicrous. I don't know either. We okay. It was our wildest night of worship. And so we're sitting there praising God, all excited about everything that's happening. And there was a lady behind my dad that stood up. Of course, my dad's sitting down. She gets excited, starts shouting and moving her hands back and forth. And she hits my dad in the back of the head and his head flies forward. His glasses fly off under the pew in front of us. And he begins to cuss really loud in the house of God. Blankety blank, 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 Suzanne. They're beating the hell out of me. I can't find my glasses. Can you find my glasses? And so we're all down there trying to find out his glasses. While everybody in the Pentecostal church is shouting and running and hanging from the chandeliers. And daddy's cussing and trying to find his glasses. <laughs> So finally, we get in the car, and I say, Daddy's all mad. And I He's said, mad. I said, if you wouldn't have been so stubborn, and you would have stood up and worshipped with everybody, <laughs> they would have knocked you in the head. And, he, of course, he had a few choice words for me at that point. Uh-huh. But that was Daddy's first Pentecostal service. Yeah, and his last. Yeah, that was Until his we last. got married. Until we got married. That was his last Pentecostal service. But... I, you know, the, the thing about my dad that I love, he was funny, funny, funny. The thing about him I loved is he had enough sense to know that even though he didn't quite understand the decision of his girls, right. That he was never going to stand in the way of them serving God in the way that they felt like they should. Right. And I honor him for that today. All right, let's do some more prophecy. Do you know where I left off here? I don't even know where I left off. I don't remember, sister. Okay. I'll try to figure it out. You and me start? I know where I left off. Okay. Priscilla. Yes. Priscilla, California. I see you as the rock in your family. Uh, You're always serving and you're helping others, almost to the point where you ignore yourself. But I see you stopping and resting and leaning into the arms of the Father. He has a new assignment for you. And in the rest and spending time in the arms of the Father, in this assignment is a miracle. It's a miracle not for just somebody else, but it's a miracle for you and your family. So lean lean into him. Spend time resting in the presence of the Holy Ghost and let him show you what your next assignment is. Amen. Uh, Leanne, Vancouver, I hear the Lord saying to you, just ask me. Yes. Just ask me. You've even been afraid to ask. It's easy for you to ask for everybody else but yourself. But the Lord said, ask. It's okay. Hebrews 4 says, mix my word with your faith and begin to ask me and watch and see what I will do on your behalf. Emmy from Washington. I hear the Lord saying, you've won favor with God and with man. You release what you are aware of. So you must know that you carry the favor and the blessing of God on your life. You must be aware of that. And everywhere you go, you're releasing the kingdom of God, Emmy. Be aware of that. God's beginning to open some supernatural doors for you. Uh, Luda, uh, 1 Corinthians, I hope I'm saying that right, 1, 8 through 9. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent. He's fighting for you. Yes. I see you like in the fight of your life. And there's been some real dry seasons for you recently. 
But in this season, God is strengthening your character. Yes. And he's making you a strong testimony of his grace and his mercy. Yes. Amber and Cano, God's treasures are waiting on you to possess them. Follow truth and live in faith. I think they're in Hawaii. They are. They're in Hawaii. Follow truth and live in faith. Okay. There are some, some treasures that God has for you that you are yet to possess, but you must know that you are to reach up in faith in the realm of the spirit and pull them down. Begin to declare God's goodness and faithfulness over your life. Be careful. The words that come out of your mouth, begin to speak the truth of God. Amen. Alyssa foothill ranch the battle is not yours but god's allow him to fight for you stay in prayer and stay in worship he's fighting your battle for you you are not to do it alone i saw you trying to take control of something your hands were on something and the lord said let it go just let it go let me fight this battle for you. You are to stay in prayer and stay in worship until the victory comes. So I hear the Lord saying, Lisa, let go. Mary Kay, God's given you beauty for ashes, Isaiah 61 and 3. Yes. He's painting your life with the ashes of all the things that the enemy is trying to steal from you. He's taking those ashes and he's making something so beautiful out of it in your story. So give it to God, surrender it to God. Sometimes we get identified by our ashes when in reality, we're to give them to God and let God create a beautiful tapestry over our life with them. Okay. And don't let the the ashes identify you, identify who you are as a child of God. Can I say something for Mary Kay? I just felt something. Yes. Um, There is a, um, a new door and a new opportunity coming for your family. Uh, And so don't um, bypass uh, it, it, it'll be something that you wouldn't normally get, get involved with, but it, I, I see a blessing and a Thank new you, door Lord. coming Thank you, and an opportunity to really bless your family. Tabitha from Nebraska. You are an extremely gifted uh, woman in many areas of your life. The Lord has given you so much to the point where you're not even real sure sometimes what to do with all the gifting that God has for you. But there is a... Um, a sound that you release in prayer with your voice that is, uh, does something in the realm of the spirit that nothing else does. So you are to lean into him more now than ever and begin to pray and ask Holy spirit what it is you specifically want me to do. You can get distracted with a lot of things because you're very gifted, but do not lean into the gift, lean into the father. Lean into his voice and release prayer and worship to him. And he's going to show you exactly how to use the giftings that he's given to you and what your next assignment is. And it's a big one. It's not a little thing that God's doing in you. It's a big thing. It's bigger than what you think it is, Tabitha. Misty in California, you are a mighty woman of God. The enemy is afraid of you. He's afraid of the authority that you carry. Uh, There's times you've even questioned the authority that you carry and the enemy just wants to shut you up. I saw him like trying to put something over your mouth and just get you so discouraged and so in despair that you don't contend for the things of God, but you are to keep contending because you walk in great authority. Uh, Randy and Kex. Yes. My sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not hear. Lean into him and listen and obey. Be quick to obey. Don't wait for 
25 confirmations. But when the Lord speaks to you, you listen to him and you follow his voice. His voice is going to take you into your next assignment. Alina and McAllen, uh, I saw like a weight like sitting on top of your head like a weight you see in the gym, trying to bring you down through fear and depression. But the Lord says, I'm lifting you up today to, and, and I'm lifting you up to bring glory and honor to my name. And I'm taking off the despair and I'm removing the depression and I'm blessing your bloodline. I'm blessing your children, your family for generations to come. And right now in the name of Jesus, I break off the spirit of depression yes, and fear yes. and anxiety that's trying yes. to torment you and your family for generations. Yes. And I declare today, it's broken by the blood of Jesus. Your praise, Elena, is powerful. Begin to praise him and release the joy of the Lord. And that despair and that depression is going to go right now in Jesus' name. One of the things I felt prophetically for everyone that's logged on, and this is a corporate word, is that in your Um, relationship with Holy Spirit in your consecration, you're going to find a rhythm. It's a rhythm Mm -hmm. of fruitfulness and it's a rhythm of peace. Um, You cannot do what God's called you to do through fear and striving. It just does not work. It does Mm -hmm. not work. Uh, You do what God's called you to do in a rhythm of, of consecration in a rhythm of relationship and a rhythm of peace. And then when you do it, there's fruit. And I just declare fruitfulness over everyone that's logged in today. I declare fruitfulness in your businesses. I declare fruitfulness on your jobs. I declare fruitfulness over your family. I declare fruitfulness over churches that are being pastored. I declare fruitfulness over ministries that are, that are going and actively doing the work of God. I declare fruitfulness over our kids and our grandkids. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that's logged on today. And I declare that you're getting in a rhythm of fruitfulness, a rhythm of peace and a rhythm of consecration in Jesus name. Amen. Where are we at with our time? Um, we are getting pretty close, aren't we? Okay. Um, I want to tell one more story and then we'll, we'll end up and then finish prophesying over everybody. So you want to tell another story, sister, about after we got saved or um, just living with mom and dad. Uh, I'll tell one of that. Dad's so funny. Dad just is one story after another. But uh, there's one time my mother's saved now, and and uh, my dad hadn't gotten saved yet. But we're all on vacation. We're right. going up into the Smoky Mountains. My dad had this fixation with Nashville and that entire area, not knowing it was a prophetic thing it that really what was, was going to happen with our children years. From then. We took every vacation. Every vacation was Nashville. Well, it, it we may not have been going to Nashville, yeah. but Nashville was routed in. Right. I right. mean, if we weren't going to Nashville, we would stop by That's Nashville. That's exactly right. So the music hall of fame. Yeah, he had a, he had a obsession with Nashville, and he he I believe like Pastor Cindy said or Cindy said it was prophetic. He knew mm-hmm. that his kids would be in Nashville, so. He actually wanted us to be country singers. He wanted Cindy and I to be country singers. And that's another story for another time. <laughs> okay, so we're headed to the Smoky Mountains. And my mother's scared of everything. She's scared of her shadow, okay? So we're going up this mountain. Before we get to the mountain, Dad's, uh, mother says to Dad, we need to get gas. And Dad said, oh, we'll get some in the mountain. There's some, I'm sure there's one up there. 
And she said, John Carroll, there's not any gas stations in that mountain. Let's go ahead and get gas. No, no, we're fine. We're fine. We'll get gas up in the mountain. So we start going up the mountain. And of course, you know, it's getting higher and higher. My mother's scared of heights. And so she's wringing her hands and she's going, John Carroll, we're going to run out of gas. Oh my God, we're going to run out of gas. We should have got gas at the bottom of the mountain. And she's praying, Jesus, 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 help us. My God, don't help us not to run out of gas. Oh my God, it's so high. We're going to fall off this mountain. John Carroll, slow down. And she's just going on and on and on. She was a nervous wreck prayer. And so she's praying so fearfully and so fretfully. And finally, my dad hollers, my God, Suzanne, would you shut up? You're making Jesus nervous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and both of us just died laughing because we felt the same way. We're like, Jesus is not just nervous. We're nervous. Everybody was nervous. driving us all crazy, including Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was nervous. <laughs> Mother loved Jesus, but she was always nerved up about always, something. Always, and so always. so that drove daddy crazy. And then one of our stories that's trying to get dad to go to church, this is before we joined the Pentecostal church. We tried to get dad to go to the Baptist church, Garth Road Baptist. We were going on a Sunday school bus. And yes. so we begged him one day, please dad, mom, let's, all go, to let's all go to church together. And so we get in the car and dad decides he's going to drive through a car wash and clean the car. Well, we get stuck in the car wash. And about 10 minutes into it, dad and mother's freaking out. Oh my God, I can't mother's breathe. Claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. I can't out. breathe. This thing's stuck. What are we going to do? And he said, I'm going to count to three. We're going to all run out of here. And so he did. And we ran my mother's hair. She'd had it all fixed up. Big redhead, uh, bouffant, plaster to her head. My dad's only suit is covered in water. We're wet. Yeah, brush hits me in the head. Yeah, dad's cussing out the daddy's the, cussing the gas station people, yes. and we go back home. So we go back home. So daddy says, "Let's go home, change clothes. We're gonna go eat Mexican food." So. so the next Sunday we try it again. We all get dressed. They got his suit clean. Mother got her hair fixed again. We head out to the Baptist church. We pull up to the Baptist church, and what happens, Alan? We pull up to this Baptist church. First of all, mother had. T- try we had been to the to the up you know the city church the city baptist church and that was too hoity-toity for daddy so mother said let's try the country baptist church so we went out back then garth road was just country road yeah so we went out to a country church out on garth road we get we pull in and they're having a big church split and of course you know as a little kid i'm trying to figure it out i mean cop cars are there there's cop cars there's guns drawn (laughs) the people are cussing one another they're fighting and finally, my daddy looked at my mother and he goes, God, I can get more Jesus in a bar. Get in the car, kids. We're going back home. <laughs> so that ended that trip. We oh, went yeah. for Mexican food again, again. with no Jesus. That no Sunday. Jesus. It was just not meant for my dad to get saved in church. My dad got saved watching the Billy Graham crusade. That was the safest place for him. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually quite amazing. Two weeks before my daddy died. He was watching Billy Graham. Right. And my mother at this point is a devout Christian and prays every day and been praying for his, you know, complete stuff. Daddy believed. He mm-hmm. just hadn't surrendered. Right. And uh, he's watching Billy Graham and the, and he looked over at my mother and he said, Suzanne, I, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Yeah. And my mom said, well, John Carroll, that was his name, you know, his formal name. They called him Jack. But she said, John Carroll, it doesn't have to be that way. She goes, I can lead you to Jesus to Jesus right here. And he said, will you do that? And she said, yes, I will. Mm-hmm. And so she led my dad yeah. um, through the prayer of salvation mm-hmm. that, that day. Two weeks later, 
Cindy and I are in church on a Sunday night and I get a phone call and, and my mother's screaming on the other end and said, something's happened to your dad. Get home. I think he's dead. And we get home and my dad had had an, uh, an aneurysm. aneurysm that had killed him instantly. And, uh, but I was so unbelievably moved at the goodness and the grace of God. Yes. Because yes. every prayer that we had prayed for our dad, no, it didn't happen like we thought no. it would. He didn't get saved in a Pentecostal church, mm. but he gave his heart to Jesus. Yes, he did. And he, he made it to heaven because if we believe on Jesus and we give our heart to Jesus, we're saved. That's right. And he, right. he gave his heart to Jesus two weeks before he had That's an appointment right. to step into glory, to step in, into eternity. And I just want to encourage you, keep praying That's for your right. family. Your prayers are working. Your prayers are working. Yes. And um, I, I read a book. Uh, it's, a, it's a book that, about angels. And um, Roland Buck wrote this book. He's an Assembly of God man. It's an older book. And he, he had all these experiences with God. But um, he talked about how that when we begin to pray for our family, that God dispatches angels yes. to work and lead them into situations where they can hear the gospel and respond. And even if they don't respond, he sends the angels back again to start the process all over again. Yes. And I want you to know that there are angelic beings that are being sent on your behalf yes. every time you pray. Yes. When you pray, God releases his power and his angelic beings to Lord. begin to work yes. on on your family's behalf to get them saved. Lord, we just thank you thank that you, everyone Lord. listening thank here, you, that we're going to see you, massive revival in America. Yes. We're going to yes. see massive souls, millions of souls being saved. Churches mm. full to the capacity, God. The uh, cities turned around by the gospel. God, the glory cities. I just declare glory cities yes. all across America. Yes. Glory yes cities where yes, churches are on yes. fire for God and pastors are working mm -hmm. together and Christians are loving each mm -hmm. other and there's no more dissension and fighting and God we're just working together to see our mm -hmm. cities saved and delivered and set free that there's a, a, a hunger getting on your people mm -hmm. a hunger drenching yes. your people for real consecration to sell out their lives to the kingdom of God to sell out their lives to Jesus to sell out their lives to seeing mm -hmm. people saved God that you would help us uh, see our, the people that serve us in the restaurants, the people that check us out in the grocery stores, the people that we run into at the doctor's office, the people that we see at our churches. God, help us to be focused on, on just being your hands and your feet. Yes. Um, we'll see you next week Thank at BPN. We're so happy to have you. We're going we're gonna to close out with a beautiful worship song, and we'll see you next week. Take this life and breathe 
For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.